Everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is caught for a touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? Each week, we dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In our next segment, we will have the Sports Business Radio Headlines of the Week, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Lots of headlines to get to this week in a busy week in sports business. In segments three and four, we're going to have our friend Rand Getlin, the founder and president of Synergy Sports, back in studio with us. Many developments since he joined us a few months ago when USC went on probation. Other schools now being targeted by the NCAA. Could they be going on probation soon? Are there high-profile athletes that we may see lose eligibility soon? And what's it like to be a compliance officer? This is basically like having the IRS within your athletic department. They're the ones policing the coaches, and the coaches aren't always happy to see them. They're not very responsive to the people who are targeting them. We're going to break that down, take you inside the athletic departments of these major universities. That's coming up in segments three and four. Visit my Sports Business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Become our Facebook friend, facebook.com backslash sportsbusinessradio. I'm on Twitter at SB Radio. Joined in studio by our executive producer, Brian Griggs. Griggs? Just like we said a few weeks ago, and just like many people said, he's back. Brett Favre, who supposedly a few weeks ago was retiring for the umpteenth time, is now back. And he says it's not about the money. Sure, sure. He just wants to play football. That's all he wants. He just wants to be 40 years old and get beaten in by 300-pound linebackers. But being paid up to $20 million for this season had nothing to do with it. Sports Business Radio headlines coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is SBR. Back with more after this. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start. At the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. 
It's time, baby. Special news bulletin. At Sports Business Radio, we're always on top of what's happening in the world of sports. And each week, we break down the stories you need to know about. This is Headlines. I want to be in the headlines. On Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. Our headlines are sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, federal authorities have decided to indict Roger Clemens on charges of making false statements to Congress about his use of performance-enhancing drugs. This, according to people briefed on the matter, the indictment comes nearly two and a half years after Clemens and his former trainer Brian McNamee testified under oath at a hearing before the House Committee on Oversight and Government Reform directly contradicting each other about whether Clemens had used banned substances. Griggs, this is big news. You know, anytime you have the feds on your trail and anytime you have someone like a Brian McNamee on the other end providing needles and evidence, this is big trouble. A lot of us wondered, would the feds pursue this? Would this just go away? Well, obviously they pursued this and there's a very good chance Roger Clemens is going to go to prison. Yeah, I think uh, it's not good when you see the feds knocking on your door. You can get through some of the state things and, and get off like that. But when you got the feds after you, it's not just one person. I mean, you got a lot of people looking into this. Well, and the other thing that will be interesting to follow on this, A, does Clemens go to prison? B, if he doesn't go to prison or if he wants to reduce his sentence, because there's like a 95% conviction rate here, is he going to open up Pandora's box and talk about all of this once and for all? Okay, I did it. And here are the people that were also doing it. I mean, this could blow the lid off this whole thing. This is the last thing that Bud Selig, Major League Baseball, and all the owners wanted. You know, they've seen home run totals go down. Performance-enhancing drugs hasn't really been in the news this year. Clemens and Bonds were supposedly in the rearview mirror. This is terrible for Major League Baseball, and it's especially terrible for Roger Clemens. We will follow this story closely and have more for you next week on Sports Business Radio. Our next headline of the week, what a surprise, Brett Favre is returning to the Minnesota Vikings, and he could earn up to $20 million for playing this season. He gets a raise from 13 to $16.5 million this season. Griggs, we talked about this a few weeks ago. We laughed that when there was word that he was going to officially retire, we said, no, I'm not buying it. I don't think so. And sure enough, this week, he says he's returning for the guys in the locker room. I think it's a lot about the the $20 million, too, even though some people would say, well, he doesn't need the money. Well, $20 million, he's 40 years old. I mean, he, he he's not coming to get drilled by 350-pound linemen. I mean, he wants to, you know, he wants to get a ring, but I think the money's definitely helping him. Yeah, I think the money's a big factor, too. And also, this is a guy who's addicted to the spotlight. And, you know... He's not going to get the spotlight sitting at home in Mississippi. He is going to play quarterback in the NFL. So we'll see. I won't be surprised if Favre plays another year beyond this year. This is the 20th year. He's 40 years old. But I think there's going to be a work stoppage next year. And if Favre took that season off because there's no NFL football and came back with a fresh body, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this guy who so craves the spotlight plays yet another year beyond this season. Our next headline, the Major League Baseball Players Association filed a grievance against the New York Mets on Wednesday on behalf of closer Francisco Rodriguez, better known as K-Rod. 
The move comes a day after the club converted Rodriguez's contract to a non-guaranteed contract. They placed him on the disqualified list. They announced they would not pay him while he was unable to perform. Now, K-Rod is unable to perform reportedly because he hurt his hand taking a swipe at his girlfriend's father. K-Rod went to jail for this, spent a little bit of time in jail. I think if you injure yourself doing non-athletic-related activities, you should have your contract voided, Griggs. Yeah, I, I totally agree with the Mets on this. I mean, because that's just, you got to be smart when you're off the field. I mean, stuff like that, hitting the father-in-law, probably not a smart idea, and he probably got what he deserved. Now, this case is not going to be settled anytime soon. It's going to go before an arbitrator probably in two to three months. We'll keep our eye on this story because it really could dictate how situations like this are handled, not only in Major League Baseball, but in other leagues in the future. Our next headline, the overnight ratings for CBS's Sunday coverage of the PGA Championship down 33% from last year when Tiger and Y.E. Yang went mono a mono down to the end. Uh, this year's tournament was won by 25-year-old Martin Keimer of Germany. Many people have never heard of him. Third major this year won by someone that is not a household name. But the event's really going to be remembered for the two-stroke penalty called on Dustin Johnson on the 18th hole. He grounded his club. He says he didn't know it was a bunker. The only thing worse is he said would have been if he made that putt for birdie on 18, walking off thinking he just won the PGA Championship, and then learning from the official who put his arm around him as he was walking to the uh, scorer's tent that, hey, two-stroke penalty, you actually didn't just win the PGA Championship. Yeah, that would be a club-throwing moment or club-bashing a window moment if that happened to me because that uh, <laughs> that's a dagger big time. Our next headline, the Washington Nationals, with less than one minute before the midnight deadline, they signed Bryce Harper, the outfielder, the phenom who they took with the number one pick, five-year, $9.9 million deal, the richest draft deal ever signed by a position player. This according to the Washington Post. The deal includes a $6.25 million signing bonus. Harper is going to begin his career in the Gulf Coast League within days. He's going to head to D.C. to meet the media during the Nationals' homestand this upcoming week. Between Harper and Steven Strasburg, the future, the marketing potential, the ticket sale opportunities for the Washington Nationals seem to be very, very promising, Griggs. Yeah, they're doing a great job of a team that was terrible, and now they're rebuilding the right way. And they're, you know, they're getting people. I mean, Obama's going to the games. He went to that Strasburg game. I mean, that's, it's a great location. It's a good city. They should be filling that stadium. And I think they're, gonna, they're on the road to doing that. Now, it's no coincidence that Scott Boris, the super agent, represents both Harper and Strasburg, signed them to lucrative deals. And, uh, you know, I think it's good for the Nationals, though, as well. Our next headline, Discover Card is expected to be the new title sponsor of the Orange Bowl. It's been the FedEx Orange Bowl for a long, long time. Now Discover Card is supposedly, reportedly, according to several outlets this week, going to be the new sponsor of the Orange Bowl. You know, they really needed that. Any of these bowl games need a title sponsor if they're going to continue to uh, you know, be on the map and make the payouts and be part of the BCS and, and things like that. Discover is a good one, too, because their logo has the big orange kind of ball thing on it. I mean, it's like a perfect fit. Yeah, you're right. So coming up next, Rand Gatlin. He is the founder and president of Synergy Sports. 
He is someone who uh, is living and breathing the college athletic department, and there's been so much talk lately about uh, after USC went on probation, these other schools that are being targeted, athletes that could find themselves ineligible, compliance officials, what's their job? Do we really know what they do? They've got almost an impossible job. They're looked at as enemies of the state by many of the coaches and athletic department officials because usually when you see them walking down the hall coming towards you, they're not bearing good news. So we're going to really go in behind the scenes. Rand Gatlin, founder and president of Synergy Sports, he's hired by universities to come help them make sure they're complying, that they're educating players about agents and all the pitfalls that they could uh, fall into, which ultimately get the schools and the universities slapped with penalties by the NCAA. The NCAA, 400-plus page rules book. There are several thousand interpretations of those rules. Now we're entering a new frontier with social media, texting. How are those things being interpreted? We're going to discuss all of that next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Podcast this show and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with more SBR after this. She blowing me kisses. She blowing me kisses. I'm sitting there reminiscing, thinking, dreaming. She blowing me kisses. She blowing me kisses. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach, your media coach. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, We'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, we'll help you practice your new skills and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is Rand Getlin. He is the founder and president of Synergy Sports. We had him on a few months ago when the news broke about USC's athletic department going on probation. Rand is someone whose company works with athletic departments to try and help them comply with NCAA rules and regulations. Not an easy task. We are going to spend the next two segments today talking about other programs that have now been targeted by the NCAA. This problem's growing only worse for many of the biggest programs in the NCAA. We're also going to really go inside a compliance department. What is the job of a compliance official? Because you know what? It is a thankless job. 
They are the most unpopular people in the athletic department, bar none. They don't make a lot of money. They work a lot of hours. We're going to break that down for you in this segment and the next segment. Rand, thanks for joining us here in studio at Sports Business Radio. Brian, thanks for having me. It's great to be back. Let's start by talking about, okay, USC, last time we had you on, we broke that down. Um, But now there are other schools that are being targeted by the NCAA, Georgia, Alabama, Florida, East Carolina, uh, North Carolina, many schools. The NCAA is not messing around, it looks like right now. And then the other thing that you have going on is you've got agents who have marketing deals go south with some players, much like the case with Reggie Bush. They're blowing the whistle. They're producing evidence. They're saying, look, I'm going to show you, NCAA, that there was illegal activity going on between this player and this agent, and that's a penalty for the school. I'm blowing the whistle. Absolutely. It's going on all over the place. And you named a bunch of the schools. Georgia's also caught up in there. And I suspect there are a few schools that we haven't heard of as yet uh, that are also in the crosshairs. And it's a big deal. I mean, when you think about the way that this thing goes, there's so much money. I was talking to somebody about this this morning. If you think about a given NFL draft, there's something like $300 million. I mean, the figure's going to be off. But a lot of money that goes in the first round alone at seven rounds deep. Uh, So there's so much money out there for these guys to go grab. And like you said, these marketing reps, runners, etc., they get burned by the agent. And there's no loyalty among thieves. They want to go out there and they want to blow the whistle. And uh, a lot of them are looking for their five seconds of fame. Others of them are just fed up and they want to go ahead and tell what's going on. And the NCAA is definitely busy right now. So people know who you are if they didn't hear you on Sports Business Radio before. Explain what Synergy Sports does, what your role is when you talk to a college athletic department. So we basically have three goals. We want to go ahead and go in and educate uh, the athletes on this process they go through in terms of transitioning to the pros, so a lot of agent selection focus. And we want to empower them to make those decisions on their own once we're not around to help them out. Um, We want to make sure that we counsel them through that process while we are here. Uh, What that does for the university is kind of protect them from all the stuff that all these schools are facing. Because why is it happening? These kids are out there flying blind. They're dealing with agents with no help. So, you know, what we do, we go and we help the universities to create a formal structure so that the kids are dealing with professionals as they deal with this process rather than dealing with it kind of with their uncles, aunts, or whoever else is willing to help. Now, let me stop you there before we go on to the, the other points of the things that you do, the services you provide. I know this. There are a lot of, especially in basketball, I've been around basketball more than football. There are a lot of coaches and there are a lot of people around these players who guide them a certain way towards an agent and they're getting a kickback. Is that happening in college football as well? It's undoubtedly happening. And I mean, here's the thing. Everyone operates in the shadows, so you don't know exactly what's going on. But one uh, clear illustration of what you just talked about that's at least being examined right now is out at North Carolina. Uh, the assistant coach, John Blake, who's been at a number of schools, uh, is their head recruiter. And he's got a bunch of monikers that he's known by out in the recruiting world. And it's been floating around for years. What just came down, Yahoo Sports, there's a guy by the name of Charles Robinson who just did an incredible article that paints the picture very clearly. Good friend of ours, had him on the show many times. Absolutely. I'm sure, I'm sure everyone's seen it uh, by now, or a lot of people have seen it. And for those of you that haven't seen it, it was incredible. It basically painted how uh, this agent, Gary Wishard, has a very close relationship. He admits that John Blake is his best friend, uh, and they've known each other for since 1985 or something like that. And John Blake is North Carolina's chief recruiter, and it just so happens that uh, Gary Wishard, this agent, has ended up signing something like seven or eight of this guy's players, of John Blake's players. So, you know, is it an innocent relationship? Perhaps. But it's certainly being examined, and at the end of the day, looking at the writing on the wall, very clear that something was going on there. We just don't know exactly what it was just yet. The other services that you provide? 
we basically will help the uh, compliance department to understand what's going on behind the scenes. So one of the things that you just discussed or, or we discussed uh, off air, you know, these compliance departments are just loaded up. They have so little time to deal with so much stuff, and they're dealing with several hundred athletes, and I'm sure we'll delve into it later. But essentially, if you think about it, uh, it's as if you have a three- to five-person staff, and we can get into specifics later, that's dealing with uh, these several hundred athletes who've got compliance issues, uh, eligibility issues, you know, what's going on at three in the morning outside the t- opposite side of town, which we discussed before. So we're going to help them to understand, look, this is really what's happening behind the, the scenes. This is how the money is funneled. Here's what you need to look out for. Here are the individuals that are known to be uh, operating in this realm and basically act as a quasi-PI for them, PI for, for them as well. But, ba- you know, at the end of the day, what we really do, we help them keep their eyes open. We make sure that they're always aware of what's happening behind the scenes so they never get caught off guard like the folks at USC or UNC or Alabama or Georgia or any of these other schools we're discussing. One of the big problems with especially college football, a little bit college basketball, is you've got these high-profile coaches now who are a big part of the brand of their school. Pete Carroll, perfect example at USC. He became synonymous with USC football, was more popular than any player that was there. When you open up your locker room, when you allow lots of people to stand on the sidelines during your games, when you let people into your basketball locker room, giving that kind of access can come back and haunt you because now you're letting some of these cheaters in or people who can really corrupt your program and perform illegal activities that are going to get you slapped into your house, into your element. And, you know, I think one of the quickest ways to eliminate some of these problems is having tighter security access. And I'm not saying for practices and things like that, but I'm saying, you know, when I went down to USC a few years ago and stood on the sidelines, you know, there there were tons of actors and agents and it was a who's who on the sidelines. And when you have that many people there, you're inviting trouble for your players. Oh, absolutely. And I talked about this with somebody else. You know, you have Suge Knight on the sidelines and you have Snoop Dogg on the sidelines. And then you say, well, I had no idea. You know, it doesn't fly. Look, you had crazy stuff going on. No other program has that and they wouldn't allow it. So I think you're right. It's security. I think also, though, on that point, that's one way to tighten it up. Uh, But realistically, most of the shady stuff does not go on in front of the cameras, so to speak. It happens all behind the scenes. It's closed-door dealings. So that's one way to clean it up. But there are a million of other things that you have to look out for. And really what you need to be scared of if you're a compliance office or a university is what's happening when you're not paying attention. Because the NCAA has made it very clear. The judgment is whether you should have known. And you got a bunch of guys sitting in a room and they say, you should have known. You're done. Two years. The other main way that the compliance officer's job has changed in the last five years, technology. Absolutely. You've got text messages, you've got Facebook, you've got Twitter. The whole social media thing is a whole new uh, frontier that, quite frankly, hasn't really been explored. And the rules are kind of uh, gray as to what they are and what you can do and what you can't do. You told me a story when we sat down a few weeks ago and had a cup of coffee, uh, about Facebook. And the NFL has tried this tactic as well. Tell me the story about Facebook, if you can, about how some programs are setting up Facebook sites to 
kind of monitor their players and, and see what some of the habits of their players would be. Absolutely. So there's a couple different sides to this. We've done a couple presentations with universities in the past few weeks where we essentially set up a fake Facebook profile with a pretty girl, and we knew that the entire team would be into her. So we uh, requested the entire team. At one school, we got 70 of their guys to, re- to accept this girl as their friend. What that does is it opens up uh, you know, your basically public profile to somebody you have no idea who they are. And we've got ulterior motives. Now, our ulterior motives are to help you out, but there are a lot of people out there who want to you know, get a piece of the pie, and that's what their ulterior motive is. Or, in the case of the NFL, a lot of NFL teams are setting up uh, these fake Facebook profiles. Same gig, pretty girl, because all guys, young guys are, are, are suckers for that. Um, <laughs> and basically what they do is they end up uh, looking into everything it is that you do. There was a situation where one NFL team looked on a guy's uh, Facebook profile, and they found the kid with a picture of drugs on the table and money all around it. And they were saying, I, I can't believe this is happening. This was in a, a Charles Robinson article in uh, April of 2009, a Yahoo article on the, same, on the same thing. And they asked him about it. And he came up with a plausible explanation. But do you want your first uh, introduction to this NFL team, your future employer, to be drug money on the table and guns and those kinds of things, even if it is explainable? Yeah, absolutely not. So it's like you said, man, there's, there's more of a paper trail than ever before. And kids haven't really become hip to that fact. They really don't understand that there is uh, – when you put something on the internet, like Marvin Austin, when he did this thing with Twitter, and we can talk about that later. It's there forever. It doesn't go away. There are caches on Google forever and ever. You can go to the Wayback Machine and look up anybody's Facebook profile from you know 2003 when this thing started. So it's a big deal. You know, I do media training for a living, and one of the things we talk to our clients about is that your social media is an extension of you. So if you say something, if you express beliefs, if you have pictures on there that you may not want people to see, don't put them on there. But I think, you know, there was a big debate a few years ago. Is it within the NFL team's right to go on to someone's social media page and check them out? Some people say it's an invasion of privacy. It's too big brother-ish. I think if I'm going to pay someone millions of dollars to come play for me, I want to know all about them. And if you look at, there was a USA Today article about three months ago, four months ago, talking about how 80% of employers are looking at people's social media pages, people like you and me, when they're deciding whether or not they want to hire us. I think the same right should extend to owners who are about to pay millions of dollars to athletes. So again, the lesson here is that you know, you don't put pictures of yourself drinking wine out of a box and you don't put pictures of yourself with a big bong on Facebook. And the other thing, you know, that's important for this conversation is Someone like you or an agent can learn a lot about an athlete on their Facebook page. You can like, you know, here's what kind of music they like. Here's what kind of movies they like. Here's what kind of TV shows they like. Now, if I'm trying to buddy up to you, this is a lot easier to do because I'm doing this via things I learned on your social media page. Oh, absolutely. It's the best point we could have made. That's exactly what I want to do. I want to find out everything that you're about, and that way when we sit down, you think that we are, uh, excuse the expression, but soulmates. I can't believe this guy knows so much about me. I'm the same guy. Yeah, I'm going to sign him pretty quick if that's the case. Rand Gatlin, the founder and president of Synergy Sports. He's joining me in studio. We have one more segment with him. We're going to go inside athletic departments. What is the job of a compliance officer? tell you this it's a thankless job that's coming up next you're listening to sports business radio stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com podcasts blogs and more sbr will be right back 
Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Well, I'm dusting off my golf clubs and looking forward to enjoying the gorgeous Oregon summer weather on the golf course. Like many of you, I'm on a budget. I want to tee it up when it's convenient for my schedule, and I enjoy playing golf courses that deliver a private golf club experience. That's why I want to tell you about the Ghost Pass at Pumpkin Ridge Golf Club. The Ghost Pass is Oregon's premier frequent player program that allows you to play the world-renowned Ghost Creek Golf Course for over half off of the regular greens fees. And with your Ghost Pass, you can make your tee times 14 days in advance. The Ghost Pass program sets itself apart by offering a competitive tournament program, which includes one exclusive Ghost Pass event at Witch Hollow. The Ghost Pass is available for only $150, and here's the best part. When you sign up for the Ghost Pass, you'll receive a complimentary round of golf valued at $150. So you literally can't lose when you purchase the Ghost Pass. Go online to PumpkinRidge.com and sign up for the Ghost Pass today. I'll see you on the links. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. We are back, and I'm joined in studio by Rand Gatlin. He is the founder and president of Synergy Sports. Synergy Sports works with high-profile athletic departments to try and help them comply with NCAA rules and regulations. To put this into perspective, the current NCAA rulebook, 400-plus pages long, more than 7,000 interpretations of the various bylaws. Now, let's talk about some of these compliance officials, Rand, because you know you have these enormous athletic departments with several hundred athletes, uh, you know, a dozen or so coaches, and then you've got one, maybe three, sometimes in in rare cases, you know, more than five compliance officials at a university. Is it even possible to believe that? That few people can monitor the activities. I mean, we're talking about monitoring phone logs and expense reports. And you're basically the IRS on campus trying to make sure that your program is buttoned up and complying with these 400 plus pages of the NCAA rulebook and the 7,000 various bylaws and interpretations of these bylaws. That sounds like almost an impossible job. It, it is pretty much impossible. And, uh, you know, if compliance officials were able to speak, uh, frankly, they would tell you the same. It's, it's impossible. Um, so, you know, like you said, you have uh, at USC when they got in trouble, they said at one point there was one compliance officer. I mean, you guys are talking about basketball, football, water polo, you know, baseball, uh, whatever. I mean, schools that have hockey, you go on. Some of these schools have 15, 16. Uh, Ohio State, I think, has what, 35 sports. Uh, you know, how do you uh, how do you govern essentially 700 sorry, several hundred student athletes and everything they're doing in every realm of their life with three people? You know, it's impossible. Um, so, you know, you mentioned that there are some schools out there with more than five. Texas has 10 or somewhere in that ballpark. And one of their guys is really interesting. It's the only school in the country that I think has this, as far as I know. And it's a uh, risk management official, uh, quality assurance official. And that sounds pretty genius to me. It sounds like a lot of these schools should have that. Somebody dedicated specifically to risk management, but almost nobody has it. The other challenge within the athletic department is these uh, compliance officers are kind of like enemies of the state. Right. They're the last person that the coach or the athletic director, the assistant athletic director want to see because usually they come bearing bad news. Hey, look, you know, we could have messed up over in this area or the NCAA is on our tail over here in, in this area. When you've got such a lack of communication between the coaches and the compliance officers, much like we've seen, and it's been widely reported in the media at Michigan, this is a big problem. And, you know, sometimes these coaches don't find out that they're about to get slapped until 
the last second, and then it's too late. Right. I mean, you're talking about the Michigan case. That was a really interesting one. MGo Blue Blog, uh, which is a Michigan fan site, they did an incredible job breaking this thing down, digging into the details. But the, the essentials were this. There was these forms that needed to be filled out, and it was about quality uh, control um, You know, coaches, basically 20-somethings that go out there, and they, they help the coaches out. Michigan had five. Usually most schools have two. Long story short, uh, compliance had been asking Michigan's director of compli- uh, director of operations, who's no longer with them, uh, to turn in these forms because they needed to, you know, turn them into the NCAA, et cetera. Twenty months, twenty months of emails. Please give us these forms, and no response from uh, the football side. And finally, the NCAA came knocking, and just the other day, uh, Michigan was in Seattle uh, fighting for their life in front of this uh, committee on infractions, uh, much like USC was. So, you know, that is the disconnect. You've got compliance out there, three people saying, "Hey, please give us these forms. We need them to stay afloat." And for twenty months, they got ignored, ignored. Well, and the other thing is, so now a new position in college sports is kind of this. You know, twenty-year-old low-paid liaison between the coach and the compliance officer. Right. So, a lot of times, the compliance officer doesn't even have a direct channel to the coach, and they're trying to talk to the twenty-year-old who's the go-between. They can't get that line of communication going, and it just seems like a whole disconnect. And again, the compliance officer is the enemy of the state, but when you're dealing with programs that are generating millions of dollars, if this thing goes sideways, it could cost you a lot of money. It can cost you a ridiculous amount of money. I mean, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head with a lot of these guys. They are enemies of the state, but in some places, you know, they're, they're welcome. But the problem is that the football coaches, people don't know this about them. They don't leave the football offices until one in the morning and they're there at six in the morning. So, I mean, these guys work tirelessly to get through this stuff. So when they have a liaison that's a 20-year-old or, like you said, you know, it's like playing operator. Uh, a lot gets lost in translation and a high-stakes game. So it can cost a lot of money. We went over this last time. Probably is going to cost uh, SC, somewhere in the ballpark, of 50 to $100 million all told. That's big, big, big money. They've already lost 13 or 14 kids since this thing came down the pipe. So if you look at North Carolina, uh, they have six guys that the Secretary of State has sent out a letter to agents saying, do not destroy any communications with these uh, prospective uh, uh, clients, these student-athletes. And you got six of them. Out of those six, five of them were looked at as first-round picks. What happens to your team when you're looking at having the best season in 10 years and five guys on your, on your defense and your offense who are potential first-rounders end up being looked at and some of them are going to sit? You know, what happens? What's the financial implication? That's huge. I mean, you're talking apparel sales, ticket sales. You go down the long tail, it's ridiculous. Let's talk about how someone like your services get paid for. You know, it can either be paid by the athletic department, and again, there's a lot at stake here, so it's kind of like taking out an insurance policy, Um, or there are former players who make lots of money who need write-offs that have an interest in giving back to their program, and they could pay for services like yours, right? Exactly. And, you know, in a recessionary period, we really understand the constraints that athletic departments have. They make a lot of money, but they also have to spend a lot of money to keep things going. So from the business standpoint, we get it. You have to come up with this money somewhere. It has to be bottom line driven. So, you know, the athletic departments pay us a flat fee. We come in there and we work for them. So there's no conflict between us and the kids. The kids don't ever have to pay us a dime. We work for them and their families for free in order to protect the school. Building a relationship with those kids and their families helps the school out because now these people are using the school instead of flying blind like we were talking about earlier. Uh, But we really emphasize the kids giving back. That's one of the biggest things we talk about. Put yourself in a good position, guys, so that at the end of the road, you're able to pay it forward. And one of the things you should think about is if this was helpful to you, if you think that a lot of kids could benefit from having some help in this regard, go ahead and give back to your school, whatever you can, 1500 bucks, 2500 bucks. You need write-offs. It's a good thing to look at. And if you're so inclined, you know, if you valued this, you know, that's a good thing to do. And, and, and they usually, you know, they're pretty receptive to that message. We're joined by Rand Gatlin. He's the founder and president of Synergy Sports. Rand, 
Are there any high-profile players out there right now in college football or basketball that six months from now we may say, oh, my gosh, you know, that player got ruled ineligible or they had illegal conversations with an agent. We saw what happened with Des Bryant, who's now playing for the Dallas Cowboys. Are there any of those cases out there that you know of right now? Oh, absolutely. There's a lot of stuff out there in the media. You guys can all look this up. But uh, one of the biggest names out there is Marvin Austin, potential top 10 pick. He's a defensive tackle out at the University of North Carolina. It's been alleged that he paid for another player. There's a huge player from uh, University of Alabama, Marcel Darius's trip uh, to South Beach. They were all going to these parties. They were allegedly thrown by agents. And uh, along with Marvin Austin, you also have Greg Little, top t- a top flight wide receiver. There are a bunch of players. I mean, you can go through the names. Mark Ingram has e- even been implicated. They say Mark Ingram, uh, returning Heisman uh, Trophy winner, you know, may have uh, crossed the line. Although that hasn't been reported definitively yet. So there are a lot of big name players out there. And again, you know, if these programs like a USC get put on probation, if you lose a player like a Mark Ingram who's generating lots of publicity and merchandise sales for your school, it's costing you millions of dollars at least. Easily, easily. And I mean, nobody even thinks about it. The, the thing about this is it, it, we've talked about this. It's incalculable because a lot of the money that comes into the school, for instance, think about this. When a team is winning, attendance is up. Applications are up. A lot of people jump in. So that even goes down. Donors don't want to give as much, et cetera. So, yeah, I mean, it it is millions at least. And we don't know how far it goes, but it's a ton of money. If you were the czar of college sports and you could wave your magic wand. I wish. What would you change, whether it's keeping institutions more compliant or whether it's penalizing agents because you know i don't think that's talked about enough we can penalize the schools but you've had coaches like nick saban and urban meyer and others say look if we really get want to get to the root of this problem we need to somehow penalize the agents whether it's taking away their license so they can't represent players anymore but that's where you need to do the penalties if you don't do that this problem's going to continue yeah, I mean, you need to really basically step it up everywhere. The feds need to step up, and they need to enforce their laws. There's a law out there called SPARTA, Sports Agent Responsibility and Trust Act, never enforced. UAAA, Uniform Athlete Agent Act, never enforced. That's the state-based laws. And then you've got the NCAA regulations. They're obviously enforcing those now. But realistically, you need to punish the agents big time. That's the NFLPA's job, and they haven't been doing a very good job at it. You need to punish the kids. They don't get penalized enough in terms of, you know, you get suspended, yeah, but Des Bryant, he got suspended last year, and, and it wasn't because just because he lied to the NCAA. There was more behind that. Uh, but he goes and he, he ends up being, what, a top 15 draft pick? Well, and you look at Reggie Bush. I mean, Reggie Bush, you know, the main reason why USC is in the position they're in right now, and he's off earning millions of dollars on the field and endorsements playing for the New Orleans Saints. So there's nothing you can do with him. Keith Foreman, who co-founded this show with me, has said that he thinks that coaches should have like driver's licenses. And if you have penalties against you, you can't operate an athletic department. You can't coach. So you look at a guy like John Calipari. You look at a guy like Kelvin Sampson. You know, you shouldn't be able to just leave a program that program goes on probation because of things you did, and now I'm off at a new school with a clean slate, and I don't have to pay any of the penalties for my prior damage. Right. And I mean, as with every industry, there's good guys and there's bad guys. You need to penalize the bad guys to help the good guys do their job the right way. 
These coaches that are doing it right, they're penalized when they are, you know, they're not whistleblowers. So they're penalized when these bad coaches go out there and do a bunch of stuff or turn a blind eye or whatever the case might be. And the good coaches are trying to play by the rules, but nobody else is, you know, it leads to a very slippery slope. So, you know, everyone needs to get punished more heavily. And also, quite frankly, there needs to be some scrutiny placed upon athletic administrators, period. Uh, If there were more scrutiny placed upon them and they were subject to trouble, I bet you would get cleaned up a heck of a lot faster. Well, it seems like college university presidents are now opening their eyes more than ever to the athletic departments on their campus. And they're trying to hire the right people and people who are buttoned up, people who will run things like a business and not loosely. And, uh, you know, I think the presidents are definitely getting more involved than they used to be. I mean, they should. It's a systemic issue in Oregon. If the University of Oregon goes down for any of these issues, you know, it's going to be a big deal, not just for the athletic department. We're talking about the school in general, and not only that, for the state of Oregon. The University of Oregon is a tremendous revenue driver for this entire state. So it's a big deal. I mean, governors and, uh, you know, high-level government officials should really start paying attention to this as well, because it is a big, big deal. And uh, the NCAA is not going to stop. This is just the beginning. Uh, And also the states are getting involved. Like we said, there's investigations open in North Carolina right now by the Secretary of State and also in Florida. Uh, If those things end up being prosecutions, we're looking at tremendous implications. So let's come back full circle here. The compliance officers, you know, again, they have thankless jobs. They've got to interpret a 400 plus uh, NCAA page manual. There's all these different interpretations of the bylaws. The sad thing for them is if they blow the whistle on their own institution, a lot of times they lose their job. Mm -hmm. And if they don't blow the whistle, they could lose their job because they didn't catch the, you know, they didn't monitor things closely enough. It's almost a, a lose-lose situation for them. Certainly. It's definitely an unenviable position. Um, and, and also, I looked at a uh, compliance opening the other day for reference, and it was a $30,000 entry-level position, and they're asking for people with JDs. They want a lawyer to come in and work for $30,000, and then, you know, they're in a position where, like you said, uh, they're darned if they do and they're darned if they don't. And it's just not a good situation. Well, and you're trying to save an athletic department from making a multi-million dollar mistake. So exactly. to think you can pay someone with a law degree $30,000, give them a thankless job, cut off their lines of communication, and expect that they're going to save you from making multi-million dollar mistakes. It's pretty unrealistic. Rand, thank you so much. How can people find you and your company online, Synergy Sports? Brian, thanks for having me. You can find us at uh, on Twitter, at Synergy Sports. It's S-Y-N-R-G-Y. And you can find us online at uh, SynergySports.com. Again, S-Y-N-R-G-Y. Thank you very much, and uh, we'll stay in touch with you as this all evolves. Appreciate you having me. Interesting stuff. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in touch with SBR on Twitter, twitter.com slash SBRadio. Hollywood code, I'm with Molly G, bro, flying Holly Grow chicks to my Hollywood shows, and I want to tell you something that you... Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. I thought you did a wonderful job of handling the game ball situation. You listened to your players and the owners, and ultimately I thought you got it right. What did you learn from that experience? It probably pays to go the extra step to build a consensus, even though you don't think there's any other view that makes sense. My guest is Jack Nicholas. What are the main lessons the game of golf can teach us if we pay close enough attention? You develop relationships with people. 
I think you play 18 holes of golf with somebody. You get to know them pretty well. We're joined by Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the BCS. What we want is for the best two teams to play in the championship game. Beyond that, I'm not sure it's really fair to say what's good for the BCS or what or what's bad for the BCS. Follow us at sportsbusinessradio.com and on Twitter at SB Radio. This is Sports Business Radio. We are back, and the fastest way to make friends with your fans as a new owner, reduce prices. And that's exactly what the new owners of the Texas Rangers have done. Greenberg, Chuck Greenberg, and Nolan Ryan. They've announced a series of pricing and in-game initiatives at the Rangers ballpark in Arlington designed to enhance the fan experience. They've done everything from reduce prices at the concession stand, specifically beer, Griggs, Always good when you reduce the beer prices. They've cut the cash charge for parking. They've done a program where if you bring in a hat other than a Rangers hat, they're going to give you a 20% discount on a Rangers hat. So they're trying to get you branded wearing Rangers stuff. But this is good. This is fan-friendly stuff. I think Nolan Ryan, who's already a very popular figure in Texas, he's been running the team you know, he's wanted to do this kind of stuff, but with Tom Hicks as the owner before, he couldn't do this kind of stuff. I think it's been very, very popular in uh, Texas with the Rangers. Great idea. I think, uh, you know, we're always looking for a good deal, so why not? I mean, hey, everything's cheaper. You can get to a game cheaper. You can get a hat for 20% off if you don't wear the right one. I mean, it's a great idea all the way around. I love it. Yeah, and I mean... If you can get kids out there wearing your hats and jerseys and, you know, the adults get to buy that beer that they were a little uh, apprehensive about buying before. And then, hey, parking, I think in most any sports venue is already overpriced. So if you can reduce those prices, it's literally, pun intended, a home run for the fans. Last note of the week, the Heisman odds are out. Sportsbook.com. Mark Ingram, the returning Heisman, three and a half to one odds. He's the favorite. Uh, Terrell Pryor at Ohio State, the quarterback, 5-1 to one odds. And Jake Locker, the quarterback at Washington, 8-1 to one odds. So I don't know who your Heisman uh, favorite is, but those are the odds according to sportsbook.com. Lots of thank yous on our show this week. Rand Gatlin with Synergy Sports. Want to thank him for stopping by and coming in studio. Want to thank our executive producer, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Darren Pack, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zang are our sponsors. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon and New School Media Coaching. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to Sports Business Radio, click on the podcast page. I'm on Twitter at SB Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. We will talk to you next week right here on Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes, 
and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio.